for your word that brings life. Holy Spirit, thank you for the power that you you make the word of God come alive to us. You reveal Christ to us. You give us power to be able to be disciples and followers of Jesus. And so, Lord, once again, we pray that the word of God would go forth, that we would, Lord, have ears to hear. Lord, that, uh, that maybe we've heard some of this stuff before. We've read these passages before some of us. But I pray that it would just, that we would have a fresh, fresh ears to hear, fresh eyes to see. Lord, what, what you're saying, what you're doing in our midst, in our hearts. So, God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, why are we doing this little, if you're new with us uh, today, we've been doing this little mini series on discipleship. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to, again, look at that, uh, that the text, the, you know, the main text of the series where Jesus uh, was a great commission. He had risen from the dead. He actually was um, around his followers for about a period of 40 days. And then um, right before he goes to heaven, he commissions them, followers, his followers at the time, not just the 12, but there were many people that were following him at that time. But this commission, again, is not just for them that were there that day. It, uh, it, it transcends history, and, and it is for all of us as believers and followers of Jesus what he is calling us to as, as we follow him, as, as we are his disciples, and what it means to be a, a believer. Um, we're doing this because this is, we really feel strongly that this is going to be a part of the DNA of who we are as a church. We, we want people to say yes to Jesus, and there is that initial um, kind of step toward Christ when we call it salvation or you know, whatever, whatever it is, whether you know, it's baptism or asking Jesus into your heart and all of those words that we kind of come up with. Um, and there's that beginning place, and that's important, that's great, but really, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus is the ongoing relationship, the day-to-day um, for, for, for the rest of our lives. And we want that to be a part of who we are as a church. We want people to say yes to Christ, but we want them to follow Jesus all their days and to become who He has created them to be as His follower. And so we are implementing, um, it's just a, it's a tool. Um, some of you guys were here when Dave Murray was here. Dave um, is, is in the whole the world of discipleship ministry. Um, he knew Barry and Heidi many years ago in YWAM, and, uh, and the Lord really directed him to begin a ministry as he comes alongside churches to help him to say, how do we make disciples? How do we fulfill? How do we obey the great commission that Jesus told us? To and, and so he came up with a tool, it's a manual called a Discipleship Journey. We're going to be implementing that into our church in the new year. Um, we're going to have Discipleship groups that are going to be ongoing for the foreseeable future, and we want people to be involved in those. And it's uh, it literally is, is, is 12 foundational um, stones, if you will, of being a follower of Jesus, how to know God, what does it mean to know God, how to hear God, and uh, the importance of the cross and, and then repentance and those to be foundational things that end up leading us to say, now how can we make disciples? Because we are we become disciples and then we are commissioned to make disciples, right? So Jesus commanded to be my follower and then go and make followers of me until we, we, we are to do this until we leave this earth. And we're going to do this thing we're real part of what we're doing here. Again, let's look at this key passage, Matthew 28. Most of you are familiar with this. Right before Jesus goes back to the Father, and he's saying, 
and came to them and he said, All authority has been given by heaven to me. All authority. What gave him all authority? Well, he accomplished what he came to accomplish, right? He was born, we celebrate Christmas, he lived a life without sin. And then we know and, 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 and when we celebrate this, the Easter time when he rose from the dead, that he took the sins of the world, the, the shame, our guilt, he took it all on himself. He bore it for us because he loves us. But then he didn't stay dead as we sing about this morning. Isn't that good news? And because he rose from the dead, and he was seen by many, now he has all authority. And because he has all authority, he says, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the key, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And so where do we find, how do we make disciples, what do we teach them to obey? We teach them to obey Scripture, everything that Jesus said. And then he says, I will be with you into the end of the age. And that was a good thing because he was about to leave. He was going up and saying, I'm going to be with you. And we're like, whoa, that's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Spirit will come, I will be with you. And so, a couple weeks ago when we began this, we talked about the call to discipleship. What does that mean? We looked at some scriptures the last couple of weeks. We looked at the cost of discipleship. And it's, it costs us everything, right? We looked at Luke 14, John 6, and, and what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus, is giving up the rights to yourself. You will see Jesus saying that over and over. If you want to follow me, you give up the rights to yourself. You elevate your love for Jesus above everything and everyone else. You take up your cross daily and follow him. You give up everything you own, and you're being completely consumed by Jesus. I'm all in, and there is no plan B for my life. That's what Jesus invited. That was the cost. And so today I want to, again, look at specifically the blessings and benefits of being a disciple of Jesus. The blessings and the benefits of being a disciple of Jesus. So we're going to look at the, the bookends of discipleship just as we saw this in Matthew 28 where his commission was, all right, now be a disciple and then go and make. But then the other, the other end of that is when we, are, so we have a place where we begin to follow Christ and we begin to walk that out. And then the bookend is obviously at the end of our lives when we are standing before Him on Judgment Day. Everyone on planet Earth who has ever lived, will live, is living now, will give an account to Jesus Christ on Judgment Day. We're told that in Scripture. And so we will stand before Him. And so we will look at those bookends and, 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 and how that ties together of the blessings and the benefits of what it means to follow Jesus. And so Jesus gave, and while he was on the earth, he gave these resident parables um, over and over. That when the people that were standing before him, and ultimately us, he says that these judgment parables is you are going to give an account for what you were given in your life. What did you do with what you were given? And so there are different ones, and I'm not going to get into all of those today, but there's the parable of the talents, right? Some of you are familiar with the parable of the treasures. There's ten virgins going to a wedding party. Five had oil, and five did not have extra oil. All of these are stewardship or management judgments. What did you do with what you were given? What did you do with what you were given? And the ultimate question is this. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with his sacrifice? What did you do with his death? Did you just kind of like, well, that's neat that he did that, but is he your Savior? 
What does His resurrection mean to you? What does His death mean to you? Is He Lord of your life? Is He ruler of your life? Last week when we talked about the possibility there was that, that young man, this rich young ruler. He was a ruler of some sort. Ultimately, we see that he wanted to be the ruler of his own life. And he wanted validation from Jesus saying, well, I obeyed some of the commandments and I'm a pretty good guy. Is that how you get eternal life? And Jesus cuts through and says, go sell everything you own. Give it to the poor and come follow me. Because money had consumed this guy. He was living for his money. And so he had become a ruler. But is Jesus the ruler of your life? Is he Lord? Is his death resurrection tied to your being a follower? What does it mean to you? And so his judgment of us will be were you a disciple of Jesus that obeyed the call of discipleship and that you paid the cost of discipleship will be all in. And so his words in all of those parables, those words that we want to hear are what? Well done, what? Tell me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Over and over he gives. And these are what he's saying in all of these parables. He says that same thing over and over. And, and, and they will stand before me. The ones that were faithful, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Basically, and, 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 and it's worded a little differently, and, but, but um, afterwards, but he ultimately says, well done, enter into everything that was promised to you. Eternal life, the promise of heaven, well done, good and faithful service. So before we look at the blessings and benefits of being a disciple, we revisit what a disciple of Jesus is. A disciple is a faithful servant. Right? That's the book in. So he calls us to go and make disciples, and then at the end of the age, when he's giving these parables, so he's tying it back together. A disciple is a good and faithful servant. A person who's made an all-in rest of my life decision to follow Jesus. No turning back, no plan B, no giving up, no matter what. And so, when Jesus says that a disciple is faithful, good and faithful, what, is it, what does it mean to be faithful? Because God is looking for those who are faithful. The, the word that Jesus uses, and you know, we draw from the, that, that Greek word that we that he, that he used in, from Scripture, it is completely trustworthy. And, and some of this will go along with what we would describe as faithful, but it's completely trustworthy. It's in it for the long haul, right? That's what faithfulness means. I'm in it for the long haul. In other words, you can count on someone that's faithful. When we have faithful people in our lives, you can count on them. They are unwavering. They're not going anywhere. Even when they go through hard seasons, and this is again what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Well, I want to be faithful. I want to be unwavering. I'm not going anywhere. I might fall down. I might trip and and, and crash every time, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to continue to follow Jesus. I'm not going to give up, but I'm going to be unwavering. I'm not quitting. I'm not tearing the relationship. A faithful person, if you give them a job, you know it's going to get done. You have you have confidence in them. They live for the team. They don't live just for themselves. They're not deceptive. They're not doing things with ulterior motives or to be seen by men. This is what Jesus, how, again, in this teaching, how he describes what a disciple is faithful. But he also uses the word servant. That's interesting. He's a faithful servant. The word there is you are completely subservient to another. 
That's that idea of saying, I give my life completely to Jesus. He is Lord. Lordship means He owns everything. He calls the shots, not me. And so both of these, let me encourage you, both of these are a daily, continual work in progress. Isn't that good news? Right? I don't know about you, but that's good news to me because sometimes when I fail, I'm glad that God gives me grace that I can get up and keep going. Because don't we live in a culture that likes things instant? We want it now. Anybody else want it? Drive through. Give it to me now. We have to wait 10 minutes, you know, like at a, at a, at a drive through and we think it's an eternity, but we'll sit in a restaurant and wait for a really long time. But we like it now. We have instant coffee, you know, just, you know, add water. Right? Instant milk, just add water. You know, milk powder. Gravy powder. So what's baby powder? You know, <laughs> just add water. Boom. That's how it happens. The new stork store for your kids, baby powder. Understand water. We live in an instant gratification culture, right? And so, don't we hate process? But process is so good for us. As soon as I'm preaching this, I'm going to get tested on it this week. It never fails that I'm like preaching and I'm like up here smiling, going process, and I'll get about Wednesday once. God help me! I don't love the process at all. But he does the process on purpose. Things are on process. Because he's working in and through us. God is so much more about nearness than just us getting a result. And sometimes when we're wrestling, we, you know, we even get frustrated ourselves. And I think that those words this morning were so good because God, in his correction, he loves, but also he wants us to forget the past and to get up and come and, 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 and keep going. And let me do my work in and through you because all along this thing has always been about a relationship. And I love that about God. I love that He calls me into relationship. And so day by day in this process, He's making me more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is making me more like Jesus. But we just, the process is so difficult. It's like, you know, I want. I want it now. That's why you know, the health and nutrition and weight loss industry is a multi-billion dollar industry because everybody has a promise that you're going to do it now. You know, 10 pounds in one week. It Maybe, but that's called the flu. You know, I, I mean, if that's the way you want you know, there, there is a way to lose that much weight, but uh, you don't want to do it that way. There's, because there's, there's beauty in the process because God is developing you see that in the book of James where he says, you know, when, even when you're going through trials, and it, you can count it all joy. And it's hard to say, oh, this is so joyful when you're in the midst. But why can't we do it? It's because in the relational process, God is making us more like Jesus. The process. And discipleship is a process, and I'm so glad that it is a process. Aren't you? And so we're going to look at the blessings and the benefits of being a disciple of Jesus. And I, I believe that all the promises of God, the promises that we see in, in Scripture are tied to being a disciple. Um, I do believe that God can instantaneously touch people and minister to them. And he can do a right now work. He can do all of that. Um, but I think, 
I think the norm is that we invite us into this process of relationship because, again, when we're dealing with something, none of us want to deal with and have struggles in our lives, right? And we all have them. I mean, this is the, the church, and, and if you came here thinking that everybody else has it all together and you don't, you are completely wrong. I say we put the funk and dysfunction around here, right? Because we all are. We, we all have issues. We all have some stuff that, you know, so, you know dysfunctional family is like, yeah, it's everyone. And, and whether it's emotional or things that we grew up with or, or neglect or maybe abuse and some of the severe things or maybe it was just issues that were that how our family dealt with things and, and it's just kind of in us. Not none of us want to deal with that stuff. And the thing is, is you know, if you're like me, you know, you, we, we want to be over it right now. And there's times where, you know, it's like, you know, you walk in some freedom and don't you hate it when you sometimes trip and fall and you feel like, man, I thought we dealt with that a long time ago, and, and it's kind of bad. God wants you to get up and just keep going. The proverb that I look says the righteous man falls down seven times for what? It's up. Keep him going. Keep him walking. Keep his eyes on Jesus over and over again. So I believe that a lot of the benefits and the blessings that you see is people tied to this idea of being a lifelong faithful servant of Jesus. And so let's look at let's look at these blessings. Blessing one is transformation. The idea of transformation of of, of becoming new. Uh, all throughout Scripture that is interwoven that God makes us new, right? He, he can take the old things and he pushes them back and he is making us a new person. We'll look at that scripture in a moment, but this idea of transformation. Here's what it says, Romans 12, 1, 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's, that passage, what does that mean? That's all in it. A living sacrifice. That means you're alive, but you're dead. You get it? Not physically dead, but you're saying, I'm dead to myself. I'm a living sacrifice. That's what Paul is saying. Paul is referring to what Jesus would say, take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, offer your bodies. I am all in. This is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's a temptation because culture is all around us that tries to dictate how we are to see things and do things. And you hear all these other voices. And sometimes we have to turn that off and tune it off and say, God, what do you, what do you say? What does the word say? That's what we should be getting our information. But don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be what? Transformed by how? Renewing of your mind. Some translations say changing the way you think. Isn't that great? The transformation actually is, 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 is in our mind. There's been several authors that write about the battleground of the mind that's so true. Because our minds are constantly in motion. Women more than men. Sorry, guys. We just don't, we're not that complicated. Um, women can multitask in their minds. And uh, so my wife and I had a conversation last night, and uh, you know, and I'm like, I can do one thing really good. I can do one thing with two of my Okay, don't be throwing other thoughts in there. I'm doing the dishes that way. I need to Don't throw anything else in the mix. So I'm like, I'm done. But our minds, this place of our mind, is such a battle now. 
And what happens is it's the way we process, right? The way we process it as kids, the way we grew up, the way maybe our parents did, and the way we were kind of trained to deal with things. And it's a part of how we process in our minds. And, and, and Paul is saying is that, 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 that you change the way you think and process. And then he says, well, when you do this, the transformation process, you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. So they really want to know, what's God's will in my life? Well, number one, he wants you to be transformed by changing the way you think. And then, then he begins to see his good, pleasing, and perfect will unfold as you walk with him. And so this word transformation is a process word. The idea is metamorphosis, right? It's the... The little caterpillar that goes into a cocoon to become a butterfly. That's the, that's the word, be transformed. Well, that's not an instantaneous process. That, I mean, that when, when it wraps in the cocoon, there is a process that is being, that is happening. And, 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 and you guys all know the, the biology of it, you know, and especially when it's struggling to get out. They say the worst thing you can do is to help it out. Because why? The strength of the wings, part of the process, part of the struggle, part of the pain actually enables it to fly. And so you can feel pity and try to get it out of there, but you actually have to kill it because it has no strength to fly. And that's the word here is God said, even in the pain, even in the struggle, even in the times where you are having a bad day, week, month, whatever it is, to stay faithful. I'm working on developing it. You, you are intended to be here. You are intended to fly. I have a plan and purpose for your life. Don't get weary when I'm doing the work in you. I'm transforming, I'm changing you. changing the way you think when stuff comes at us in life, you have to train a certain way to respond, react, or deal with it. And that's where that, that, the worldly way says, don't, don't conform to the patterns of this world the old way. Because sometimes it sometimes we, we might approach it with hurt or being offended, anger, or we self-medicate. Or we rip apart the relationship and we walk away. And that's because we've been trained to do that. And so we have to allow God to change the way we think. I used to do this, and now He is transforming me in our minds to become more and more like Jesus, acting more like Jesus, responding like Jesus. And isn't it amazing when you have those moments and you respond or you say something like Jesus would want, and it almost surprises you. You're like, I have, there is some victory here. I'm becoming more like Jesus. The way I act, the way I respond. How does this happen? It's through discipleship. That's why that whole idea is it's tied together. It's long-term faithful commitment in His Word and prayer being connected to others in the body of Christ. In vision and mission, and do it daily, every day, every week. Transformation comes in discipleship, in the Word and prayer, and being around the body of Christ, being connected with one another. So it's hard to be transformed just coming to church once a week, but you have to be tied in and lifted. That's the way Jesus modeled it. Remember, he called those 12. They did life together. They did life together. And that's what he intends for us to do. It isn't quick. But I think God does it that way. It's a long-term process. And ultimately, we begin to act differently, think differently, changing the way we think, and we love him and follow him.
a beautiful, beautiful thing. Look at these couple of uh, these are these are these are transformation passages, the process passages that you'll be familiar with. Let us not become weary in doing good or well doing, right? Don't get weary. The tendency is to get weary as we're following Christ. Don't get weary, for the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that harvest again, and the farmers know it's it's a time of season. You don't plant one week and harvest the next week. There's growth, there's rain, where, you know, you, you have to have a right amount of heat and, and just being around farmers, you know, I see that it's, 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 there's so much faith involved. You can't make it rain. You can't make it, you know, it's like you need that heat at the right moment. And, it, but it's a, it, it's a process, and, it, and that's what, what Paul's saying. Don't get weary in doing good. Keep going. And in due time, you'll have a harvest, and that harvest that ultimately is is, is transformation. And then 7 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and you see Paul talking about in Christ, being closed with Christ, being with Christ, he is a what? New creation. He's making us new. Old things have passed away, or one one translation said, passing. It's a process. And then, behold, all things have become, they're becoming new. And this is day-to-day. Day-to-day, you know, growth with Jesus. It's a process. It's a process. So we're, we're being changed into new creatures. Those things are open to passing away. They're, they're not completely gone, but they become less and less as we become faithful servants of Jesus. We're becoming new. And so don't, don't get frustrated in the process. Don't say, yeah, Jesus, I'm asking for transformation, and could you transform me right now? He's going to say, Come with me and you will walk in transformation. Blessing two. Deliverance, freedom, victorious living. We hear these, maybe these words around us. Deliverance, freedom, victorious living. And this can be a part of transformation, but, but this is specifically when we are bound with those sinful, those sinful struggles that maybe there are there. Um, and most people don't want to be bound by anything. They, they want freedom. They cry out to God for freedom and deliverance. Because they don't, we don't want to be chained down to something. And again, those uh, those things can come in all kinds of forms, whether it's depression or anger, addictions, habits, lust, whatever it might be. And it, again, those, those things enter in through different ways and how we're raised and how we are doing things and decisions and choices we make. Some sin comes upon us by the choices we make and we have these strongholds or these things that kind of tie us down. And none of us, none of us look at those and go, well, I, I like it. A lot of us, most of us would say, well, I want to be free from right? We want freedom. We want to be able to walk a victorious living. We hear scriptures like, I'm a more than a conqueror. And I want that. How do I do that? How do I have this victorious life? And it's tied to discipleship. I believe it with all my heart. Again, not that God can't move, and He'll do that sometimes very quickly, but more than not, He is asking us into this relationship, this long-term faithful servant relationship with Himself. And so what happens is we approach these things by maybe we'll cry out to God to help us, and, and then 
you know, that, that we're, we're not walking in discipleship, we're just kind of going, and this is my story, I, I, you know, and I've shared this before, but I had a real stronghold of lust in my life, and I would continue to hit that wall, and I would just beg God, and God, take it away, take away the desire, take away the thoughts, take away this, take away that, and, and I, I believe ultimately the Lord was inviting me, and I didn't really even know how to even think through it at the time, but I just wanted to be free from my circumstances, and I believe God was saying, I want you to come follow me. So sometimes we'll maybe go get counseling on our short term life, but those things are bad, or we'll go to a um, some sort of rehab place. Or some of us have gone to deliverance ministries or, or to get prayer. Again, nothing, nothing that those, those are, are bad things, but I think that we get the cart before the house, uh, cart before the horse, not the house, the cart before the horse, and we're asking God, we need to begin to ask God to, to change me from the inside out. We can see benefits, but a lot of times we don't see long term freedom. So it's easy to go back, we, we might have freedom for a little while, but it's easy to go back into those habits, get back in those ruts that lead to frustration. And so I believe that deliverance and freedom, victorious living, are found to be being a disciple of Jesus, a long-term faithful servant. Some years ago, Athena and I got to go um, to the Twin Cities, and it was a deliverance conference. Um, it was a pastor before me, Pastor Tom, many of you know him, and we went with Tom and Alice, and uh, we went to this conference on, on deliverance ministries. And, um, I heard a lot that weekend. There's a lot of different speakers, but one guy who this stood out. His two sessions absolutely like sealed the deal for me to help me understand because I I grew up and seeing like the living ministry where maybe you've been a part of these where it's like these kind of two three hour marathon deliverance ministry times and uh, and, and, and I've, I've been a part of those and I've seen those and a lot of at least exhaustion and frustration and. And so this guy that spoke, he used to actually be on staff with Jack Hayford many years ago. And so he began to share, and I tell you, and this was like 2001, and, I, and it, just, it just absolutely spoke to my heart because the text here is the text that he used. Because he did that a large percentage, he was a staff pastor, he was a prayer and deliverance ministry pastor. Um, there at Jack Hayford's church. And so they would do these, they would have this prayer team, they would all be prayerful, and people would come in and they would have these nights, like one night per week, where people would come in and they would do these deliverance ministry, two, three hour thing, and, and then they would do it over and over. And he said, then, and he said, we begin to see, you know, like people would come in and, and, and we saw some powerful stuff happen. The Lord was there. Like, you know, if it was demonic influence and you know, demons were fleeing in the name of Jesus and we were teaching victory. So, but man, he was getting tired. It was exhausting. It was a, just a battle. But we all, you know, we were kind of wearing that badge of saying, well, this is kind of, you know, this is supposed to be that way. He said, but as long as we begin to see some of these people, they'd come back two, three months later. He said, they were worse off than they were before. And so they're, they're going, God, what are, what are we missing? And he began to ask God, what, what are we missing? And he said, he felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart and said, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. And so his text at that conference was this. And Jesus says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest and finding them. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. Don't demons sound like bats? And so it returns and finds its former home, what? Empty, swept, and in order. 
his translation was, he said, clean, sweat, and empty. That's what Jesus said. Then the Spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself. They all end with the person who lived there, and so that person is worse off than before. That would be the experience of this evil generation. And so what he was saying is, is, is people wanted to be free from their circumstances. I'm dealing with this, and I need, I need, I need freedom. I want freedom right now, and, and I'm having these things. And they were dealing with that, and what was happening is, yes, the demons flee in the name of Jesus. They were seeing some freedom. They were seeing clean and swept, and they were in order. He said, but they weren't being filled with anything. And so then they go away, and they're feeling, oh, man, thank you. I feel so much better. The weight is lifted. I feel free. And he said, two, three months later, they would come back, and they were way worse off than they were before. And so he began a, it was a, it, and, and, and he asked the Lord, what is the missing component? And, and he, again, felt like the Lord spoke to him. discipleship. Discipleship is the ongoing, and then Jesus took into the great commitment that you're here to make them followers of me, not just speak to your circumstances. So he started a discipleship program to help people, and it was, they would have to be in church, they would have to be in a small group, they would have to meet with people, get in the Word, and it was a day-to-day, week-to-week, doing life together, and he said, it's interesting that through that time, you didn't have to do the two, three-hour marathon steps that they were beginning to get through. He said, testimony after testimony, I'm not having that issue anymore, I'm not having that those dreams anymore, I'm not having that whatever it was. Discipleship. Same thing. That's why when we love you know, Adult Teen Challenge, we really like the choir when they come. It's such a great week. You know why Adult Teen Challenge has the success rate they do of, of, above all the other rehab programs? It's long-term discipleship. They said that they, 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 this is the only way it works. Because how many people do you hear up there? They give a testimony. That I've, I, was in, I was in treatment 10 times. 30 days, 60 days. And again, not that those can't help in certain ways, but the, the success rate of, of, of Teen Challenge is when people in Teen Challenge, when they go in and they don't quit, but they stay the whole time, they have about a 75 to 80% success rate. If you're wondering, that's astronomically higher than any other thing. And the idea is the long-term disciples that they teach them and changing the way they think, the way they process in Christ, the Word of God, walking with Jesus, faithful servant, day after day after day. That's what God is asking. And so, again, I believe deliverance, freedom, victorious living is found in discipleship. Blessing three, I'm going to wind down these. We get to be a disciple maker of others. When we become a disciple, we get to be disciple makers of others as we live with Jesus in a lifelong, faithful, servant following Him. He invites us to make disciples of other people. We're in His church. We are the kingdom of God, but the church isn't this building. Right? You and I are the church. We are, we are the ones that carry the mission and vision of Christ until He returns or we die and go be with Him. And so, 
He invites us to go after him. Who did Jesus go to? And if we're following him, he went out to the highways and the byways and he said, go grab him, pull them in again. Not just that they would just say, I'm missing yes to Jesus, but we want to come alongside you and we want to see you become a disciple and follower of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing that we get to be a part. He invites us to be a part of it. Seeing people come to Jesus, surrender their lives, there's nothing like that. That they were headed toward destruction and God saved them, and we got to be a part of that as the church. That's why we exist. To get to see lives changed and transformed. And then the last blessing of being a disciple of Jesus is we get to spend eternity with Jesus and eternity with God. That all, at the end of all of this, there's more to this life than this life. Right? The promise that over and over Jesus says, I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to make a place for my followers. And when we stand, can you imagine? And I do this tonight, I have kind of have an active imagination, but can you imagine when Jesus says to you, and he looks at you, and you're with him? And he says, well done, good, and And he embraces you, and he says, enter in to everything that I promised you is all true. This is all for you. And we get to be with him in the family of God. And that's why Paul says these, these, these things that we deal with on the earth, they're light and they're momentary affliction compared to the weight of the glory that we will see when we get to be with him. That we can walk it out. We can be victorious. We can be a disciple of Jesus. And on those hard days or those hard seasons in life that we can just say, God, help me. I want to keep my eyes on you because it's going to be worth it. It will be worth it. We get to be with Jesus forever. Our issues, our problems, our afflictions won't even be there. No more pain, no more suffering. No more offense, no more hurt, no more abuse, no more of all of that stuff. When we get there, none of the issues that we maybe worried about here on the earth, none of that stuff's going to matter anymore. So it's a new day to be His disciple, to commit ourselves to Him in a long term, as long as we're faithful. Saying, Jesus, I will follow you. I'm all in. I'm giving my whole life to you. Because I see the blessings. I see what you have done. And I get a little glimpse. And we don't get a full picture, but we get to see those small ones, especially when somebody comes to know Jesus. And we say, I want to be on a mission with you to see people follow you. To be able to do what he's called us to do. And again, as I ask this question before, what will your response be today having the information of the call that Jesus makes to us is being kind of making disciples of the cross, time that it's worth it. And then today, the blessings of walking in freedom, being transformed, becoming a new person, the one that God wants to be. What will your response be today? And there'll be our response here to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. As we faithfully serve on Jesus, we love you. I pray God for each one of our hearts today, Lord, that uh, we would follow you as never before. Lord, that as we as we 
hear what you call, what you say, what you have invited us to, what it's a, it's a hot calling, it's a heavy calling, but it's a, it's a worthy calling. So that Lord, we would redeem the time that you've given us on earth. That we would redeem every day, God. That we would go to the highways and byways. We would proclaim the gospel to the people in our region, to the people that we come in contact with, who we work with, go to school with our neighbors. Lord, this region that you've called us to, Lord, that we want to see people come to know. We want to see the captives go free. We want to see those who are lost find Christ. We want to love them. We want to serve them. And we want to be faithful. So, Lord, we love you. We honor you today. We pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen.